Let's read in 2 Peter chapter 1, please. Second Peter chapter 1 and verse number 15. <clears throat> Moreover, I will endeavor that you may be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well that you take heed, as unto a light that shines in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Now, this is going <clears> to <throat> have to happen really quickly, so we're not going to go very deep. We're just going to gather a few things off the top. But <clears throat> we are living in a day when everything is being questioned, and rightfully so. There's uncertainties all around us. Peter's writing to his audience here today, on this day, and uh, he had had the, the privilege being an eyewitness of the Lord Jesus. He'd been with him, and he draws attention here to the fact that that he'd been with him and seen the glory of the Lord in a very special way in the, in the Mount of Transfiguration. It was a brightness. And there was the voice from heaven. The voice from heaven. This is my beloved son. Hear him. I can, and perhaps there's others here that you look back to before you were saved or when you wanted to be saved and you just couldn't, you're missing it. You believed and yet you're not saved. And I know in my mind it was just like, couldn't there just be a voice? Tom Hoy, you got it. But, you know, in reality, you say, was, was that my imagination? I wonder if the source of that voice was God. Maybe I was just, he says, listen, 
we were privileged to hear his voice, to experience him. But we have a more sure word of testimony, better than a voice, better than your name written in a cloud. We have the word of God. It is absolutely certain. We know that the scriptures are God-breathed. They didn't have their origin from the will of man, but God himself, the Holy Spirit, breathed the word. And we have this, yeah, I was kind of enjoying that, singing that together. I have a wonderful treasure, my Bible and I. I wonder if we really appreciate it. This is that more sure word of testimony, and we can go back to it, and we can search its pages and see the glories of the Savior, even though we didn't drink the same water he did and walk the same shores he did, but we behold the glory of the Lord and appreciate him and know, we know that this is the word of God. So it's a good thing. We obviously don't have time today, but to be able to give an answer when we're asked, okay, the word of God, huh? How do you know? How do you know? What gives you confidence that that isn't just another ancient book? Have some, do you have something to say? Something? I mean, people who know nothing, there are answers. We should search them out and be ready to give some sort of an expression as to why we're confident that this is the word of God and they can trust it too. We know that this is the word of God. Let's look at uh, 1 John chapter 5 and just touching a few of these things. 1 John chapter 5, we know that this is the word of God and we're so glad and we can go to its pages for our confidence and for our assurance. First John chapter 5, verse 10. He that believes on the Son of God has the witness in himself. And he that believes not God has made him a liar. Because he's not believed the record that God gave of his Son. Just chooses not to believe God. This is the record that God has given to us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things I have written to you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may Know that you have eternal life and that you may believe, that you may continue to believe on the name of the Son of God. 
We know the word of God is true. Its promises are unchanging. Though heaven and earth will pass away, not one word will pass away. Not one jot or one tittle will be destroyed. I love the verse in Psalm 119, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Settled forever. We know that we have eternal life. Isn't it it a wonderful confidence? To have our assurance of eternal life, of sins forgiven, of peace with God, knowing that, because we have the Son, we have His Word. He that has the Son has life. Perhaps Satan has interjected his darts of doubt into your mind, even as a believer. You're saying, maybe you didn't repent in the right way. Maybe you didn't believe in the right way. Maybe that was just an emotional experience. John brings us to this. And he says, the person that has the son. It's about the son. It's not about our believing. It's not about the amount of it. Our faith is resting on a person, the living person of Christ who has satisfied God on account of our sin. And when we stopped fretting and worrying and trying and we fixed our building, our forever on the sun, He says, I give life. And I've written this to you, that he that has the Son has life, so that you may know that you have eternal life. This life's in the Son. Romans chapter 8. And we'll bring it into a gentle landing here. Romans chapter 8. Verses 28 and 29. And this one perhaps we have more difficulty with bringing from our intellect to our hearts, but we have to start. Verse 28, we know that all things work together for good. To them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. It's hard to get this from the theoretical, especially when we go through experiences of extreme difficulty. 
we know that all things work together for good? I was just thinking of, of Mordecai. This says one example. There's so many in scriptures. Maybe your mind goes elsewhere, but just come with me for a moment to Mordecai and, and the kingdom there. And, and there's that decree written. They get up one morning and here's this decree and it's plastered all over the place there in, in Babylon. And all Jews are going to be destroyed on the 13th day of the 12th month. And King Xerxes signs, signs the writing. And they look at that, and Mordecai is in sackcloth and ashes. He's weeping, and Esther doesn't know, and she figures out why. It's, it's, it's a hopeless situation. Where is God? Why didn't he stop this? An inevitable, unchangeable law. Everything's going to the wall. We're going to die. It's hopeless. But even before that event, Mordecai is living an honorable life in the kingdom. And he thwarts a plot to assassinate the king. And he doesn't get recognized. And he could have decided to pout. Well, then if I'm not recognized for what I do, I guess I'll just go in the corner and I'll just sulk. But he keeps serving in the king's palace. And then just quite coincidentally, isn't it? King can't sleep one night. And it just so happens, just so happens, the servant opens to the chronicles of the events of the kingdom to that page, the record. Mordecai saved the life of the king. What's been done to honor that man? Mm, nothing. And thus begins, no, it doesn't begin. Thus continues the working of God. It was going on when Mordecai lived honorably in the events of another day. And it continued as he served honorably in the events of many more days. And God works when it seemed that this was a hopeless case. But God. And we know that all things do work together for good to them that love God. I don't know what your circumstances might be today that are just hopeless. Or what our circumstances might be tomorrow. And they're dreadful, and we're at wit's end's corner with no place to turn but God. But we have a great God, and we know, we know 
that he's in control. Because way back when we were without hope and without God in the world, when we were dead in sins, hopeless, but God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he has loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses and sins, has made us alive together with him. And if he could do that for us, if he could do that for dead, hopeless, helpless sinners, he can do that in the everyday events of our lives. The one who saved us when he, we were dead, will he not? Now that we've been made alive, will he not continue to save us? I think that's Ephesians 2 too, isn't it? We have a great God. We know his word is true. Build on that rock. We know we have eternal life. We have the Son. And we know that he's involved every day in our lives. Nothing's too hard for God. And he works everything in the big picture for good for his purposes, and we'll understand it all by and by. Let's pray.